Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, where we equip men and women to be faithful in every aspect of life. This week, you will hear Nancy Wilson's talk, The Duty of Grandmothers, from our audio collection titled, Grandmas and Mothers-in-Law. And before we get started, I wanted to make sure that subscribers to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast knew that this week at canonpress.com, all of our audio is 40% off. So if you enjoyed today's talk, make sure you head to canonpress.com and grandmas and mothers-in-law will be 40% off, as well as any other talk you've enjoyed from this podcast. It's the Isolation Audio Sale at Canon Press. All right. The duties of grandmothers. Being a grandmother is so much fun. You hardly think about it as a duty, but it is a duty. It is. You know, just as being a mother was a fabulous blessing, but there were duties involved. And with grandchildren, it's a little different. Of course, it's not that different, so it's not like we really need lessons. But at the same time, some good things to think about. Remember, when we were talking about mother-in-laws, the duties we focused on were loyalty and service. And that's really going to carry over as we talk about grandchildren as well. When I first found out Becca was expecting our first grandchild, I had a lot of fun. And I interviewed some grandmothers. It was really enjoyable. I took your mom out, I think, for lunch or tea or something. Uh, I met with her and just said, tell me about being a grandmother. So Clee Callahan, Susie Flack, who is a grandmother of many children, and I got together with her. and I just took some little notes and just a couple other grandmothers that I figured had been grandmothers a long time and could give me some good suggestions. And I was looking over those little notes I took not long ago and I'm thinking, yeah, those are some pretty good tips, some pretty hot tips. We learn so much from one another, but I did that as, as sort of a preparation for being a grandmother since it was my first time going into it and really enjoyed that time. So I just encourage you to do that, even though you've been here, hearing from me on a lot of this, or maybe some grandmothers that you think, you know, I should really get together and find out what they do. There's some pretty crazy ideas. The Flax have such a large family and they're farmers. So at Christmas, I remember this vividly, they always do a live nativity scene and all the grandchildren have different roles, shepherds and and there's always a baby to be in the manger. And, you know, it was just a really fun idea. And having a barn helped for them and the hay available and so forth. But that's something they did. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they would celebrate Christmas with all of their kids, like all day Christmas Eve, pretty much. And then that was how they did it. But that involved the live nativity and acting out the Christmas story with the kids every year. You know, just things like that. I remember some of those. Anyway, but I would encourage you to do that. And maybe reflect a little bit on your own grandmothers and the sorts of things they said to you or the way they helped you or just blessed you. Reflect on that. And then, of course, think about your own parents and how they have been a blessing to your kids because that's the easiest thing to imitate, your own parents' And if you haven't had that benefit of grandparents or even having your parents interact with your own children, that's all right. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> you know, and you just uh, go with what you've got. All right. 
first duty as a grandmother is to trust God for our grandchildren, just to trust Him for them, body and soul, and to pray for them, just walk in the covenant faithfully all their days. There are many promises in Scripture about grandchildren. I just pulled out three of them. There are so many more, but here are three. Psalm 103, 17 and 18. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandment to do them. God's mercies from everlasting to everlasting, his righteousness to children's children. We can trust God for that, that he's promised his righteousness to our grandchildren. And so we want to encourage them to remember his commandments and to be modeling for them what it looks like to walk faithfully in the covenant ourselves. Grandchildren are a sign of God's blessing. Psalm 128, we know this one well, verse 5 and 6. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. It's a great blessing to see our children's children, to live long enough to see them, and then to just watch them grow up and to to be part of their lives. It's a real positive blessing, and we don't want to forget that. Proverbs 17, 6 Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. You know, what a, what a wonderful statement here, that your grandchildren are your husband's crown. They're his crown. Isn't that great? And he is their glory. He's the glory of your children, and I think we can extend it, and grandchildren as well. And just what a lovely picture that is. We don't want to... Forget what a blessing it is from God's hand to us. And in the day-in, day-out busyness of life, we can forget things like the blessing of marriage and our own children and so forth. Just to take note of it and really make a habit of thanking God for these little people. And what a blessing for our children to know their grandparents and their great-grandparents. You know, it's a huge blessing for these little kids to have that connection. And so... Not to take it for granted, just to really give thanks for these babies. Now, there are some times when it's easy to do that, and sometimes that we can be forgetful or we can think they're a nuisance. Like our own children, weren't there times we thought they were just in the way? True confessions, you know, where we had to repent of a bad attitude. And I don't think it happens as much with grandchildren, but it certainly can. And so we just want to be mindful of the blessing and cultivate real gratitude and express it to them of how fond we are of them, how proud of them we are, just really bestowing a lot of love and affection and encouragement on each of these little people. I have realized, having 13 now, that it's more than I can do. You know, that when we just had one or two, I could, boy, it was easy to bestow that one-on-one attention on them. But as their numbers grew, it just got out of hand, where I couldn't take each one on a date every week. Can you imagine? (laughs) But I used to do that. I used to do things like that, have these regular little dates and things. And and now it's not possible. But I also have learned that their relationship to me, you know, the way they view it 
is not necessarily all about those individual one-on-one -on -one special times. It's just about being part of our life, being in our home, being at our table, you know, just the connection to one another. Because when there are one or two, there wasn't that wonderful cousin interaction happening that there is now. So there are benefits both ways. But it would be hilarious if I was trying to have this special, really connecting with the kids, you know, every week and this one, that. I can't do it. Now on to maybe some of our specific responsibilities. I mentioned praying for them. We don't want to be sentimental about our grandkids. It really is easy to get a little sentimental about them. And what I mean by that is sort of a weak kind of love. We want to give them the strong stuff. <laughs> the real stuff and not just be having an attachment that is more about us than about them okay and I think sentimentality tends to be more about me and how I feel as a grandma bestowing this little time and you know trying to savor every minute and we're just finite and we can't do it so I'll try to savor the highlights <laughs> you know or I'll just tell you about this one. This last Saturday, we have a Sabbath dinner every week, and this is something every family is different, and I've heard about lots of different styles of, of doing this. And so whatever you're doing, I'm just telling you about ours. I'm not trying to lay our practice on you. But anyway, we had Gordon and Meredith, my husband's brother's family, over, and we were celebrating their daughter Brooke's engagement. So her fiancé came in. And uh, so we had, I think there were, 24 or something, and maybe uh, two in the buckets. So, I mean, there were a lot of people. And um, it was one of our best Sabbath dinners ever. I think it was partly, it was feeling like fall, and so I pulled out one of my very traditional, in parentheses, easy meals, like a ham and potatoes, you know, just something that I've made many times for Sabbath dinner, and they all have a real affection for her. And so it just, oh, everybody was so excited. And this is so about fall. And, oh, my favorite. And oh, da, da, da. You know, it's just great. And there were no spankings. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Usually at Sabbath dinner, you know, there's several people being hauled off down the hall and back. And, you know, it's just the way it is. Not one. Well, I mentioned that later. And Ben said, oh, Right as everybody's leaving, I'd take Judah off. I said, well, I didn't know about it, and it was seemed like just a perfect evening. But while the Merkels were gone this last year to England, Doug recorded some of his guitar music because the kids, so he's played for them like he played for our kids growing up. It's just silly songs, but he recorded them. So when they came back this year, he got his guitar out, and I had no idea. I mean, they sang at the top of their lungs to all these silly songs, and so that's just part of what we do. And after dinner, all the grandkids running around in the circles or singing and dancing around, and it was just this fabulous time. But see, they were all connecting with each other. It was this cousin thing was happening. So that's what I mean about the transition. It wasn't each one of them spending time on my lap or anything like that. It was them having just fun being with us, being at our house, and with each other. And it was probably quite a shock for poor Daniel, but I think he enjoyed it. But things like I've been working on the railroad, I mean, and they're bellowing this. <laughs> you know, uh, they love that. And so they have their requests and they're singing. So 
I feel like I could get sentimental over Sabbath dinner, especially when my Merkel family leaves in a couple of weeks and they're not there anymore. And that's what I mean about having sort of a, it's not about me, but loving them with the real kind of love that says, this is what God has called them to do. You know, so we're cheering for you. Go, go do what you're called to do and not feel sentimental and so indulging that parting, as you know, many of you know, about being away from your grandkids. Uh, we want to handle that well. We want to be good stewards of the separation and good stewards of the time when they're here. So these happy times, these picture-perfect, like the one with no spankings, or almost, <laughs> that one I'm savoring. That one is going to be filed away in my memory. You know, So there are times like that. It's like, oh, that was just a, a good one. But we can't savor each and every one. Do you remember when your kids were little? I did this anyway. I think, oh, I just so want to remember this right now. And then a year or two later, it's like, now what? It's just, you have to look at the pictures. You just can't remember. So it is hard to savor every single thing you want to savor. But you do your best and fill up the treasure chest you know, of your memory with these good, sweet times. Okay, so we're not to be sentimental. We want to pray for them, and I would just say the flip side of that is not to be worrisome over them. I think it's tempting. You know, when you've got, we had three children, so I had three I could worry over, and now they're all married, so that makes six adults. Mm -hmm. And then 13 kids, I could really get bogged down in worrying over them all. And, oh, sometimes I'll hear something, like, did you hear about this terrible thing happened to this child? It's like, oh, you know, and you just can then, you can spend time with it, can't you? You can run it out and think, oh, what would happen if that happened to it? It's like, no, you just cannot go there. You say, Lord, you brought each one of these along. You're overseeing everything. You have to just give them to the Lord over and over again, each one. When all three of my girls, my daughter-in-law and two daughters were pregnant at the same time, I'm just praying for each of those babies to arrive, and they arrived within a month, less than a month, I think, or within September, October. And I was so relieved when that last one came safe and sound. <laughs> you know, that even though I was trying not to be worrisome, still it's just that just praying for these babies to come safely. We don't take that for granted. It's a pretty amazing process. So that relief, or there's that other sort of, I don't know if you all feel this way either, but if all the kids have been traveling, and sometimes they're all, you know, one's in, one family's off in Chicago visiting family, the other's here, and, you know, they're all away. And so I'm praying for everybody, and then when they all get home, it's just sort of that mother hen feeling, like, okay, everybody's back in the little nest. And I'm not saying that's bad, necessarily. As long as you're just aware, you have to just give them to the Lord. They're his. And to not indulge worrisomeness over them because it's not helpful. It certainly isn't helpful. And I mentioned before, we don't want to give, in a sense, covenantal permission to our children to worry. Well, mom does it. You know, we want to be setting the right kind of example. I'm pretty sure I use this example here. Doug has used it illustrating a different point. But he has said when fathers are, you know, using porn on the Internet. That even if no one in the family knows about it, it's as though he's giving his sons covenantal permission. Feel free to do this. He said, and it's so funny 
how it ends up happening. That there is something to it. And that's what I mean that we don't want by our sins saying, well, well, you all have my permission to do this. That's essentially what it is. So it's a good sort of a check on us. Like, I don't want to worry because I certainly don't want my girls to be worrying and my granddaughters to grow up in a tradition of worriness. So it's just a good exhortation is no, don't go there, don't indulge that. I believe that we have grounds from Scripture to be teaching our grandkids. Sometimes it's hands-on, sometimes you're helping directly, sometimes it's from a distance. But here's a couple of scriptures to back it up. 2 Timothy 1, 3-5 I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. I just want to note that, as my forefathers did. It ties in with what I was just saying about giving them covenantal permission to sin. Anyway, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Isn't that great? So you see that Timothy is in a line. Okay, His grandmother... Lois, his mother Eunice, and now Timothy, that he's following after them. So you see there's some sort of a, they handed it off. Mother and grandmother handed it off. We don't know all the ins and outs of how that happened. They were faithful, and he has that inheritance. And I just love that, referring to the forefathers, like I am standing in a line of faithfulness. And we just want to be part of that faithful line, handing off the baton. Then in 2 Timothy 3.14, But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This is to Timothy also. Okay, So it's just a second letter. He's referred in the first letter to his mother and grandmother, and now he's saying, you've learned this stuff from childhood. And so we can, I think, infer from that that mother and grandmother were involved in this in teaching the scriptures from the beginning. So I think here we have to just be wise and consider what sorts of opportunities we have. It could be actually helping teach something, sitting down with paper and pen. I mean, I don't know. There may be many opportunities helping with homework or helping with homeschooling. Could be helping pay tuition. <laughs> you know, I mean, but also just around your table with the songs you're singing, with the, the life you're living, just speaking of the Lord in everything, talking about spiritual things like we do anyway. It's a way of teaching your grandchildren and certainly reinforcing their parents in the things they're teaching them, uh, buying them the right kind of books, just paying attention to your opportunities and taking them. Now, certainly I'm not suggesting we usurp. Oh, no, no, let me put, you, put it right. Mother and father don't have it right. You know, we're not, I'm not suggesting that. But that we do have a teaching role. I've heard of some grandmothers that will make tapes of reading things out loud for their kids when they're away. Stories, scripture, like I said, Doug did the silly songs for the kids. But just finding creative ways to stay connected, even if they are far away. And if they're right here in town, sometimes... You have to really make a point. 
because they're right here. You see them all the time. So you have to really make a point to interact and be connected and go visit their classrooms or uh, help out with the homeschooling. Just looking for your opportunities. And songs. You know, Doug's mom was a uh, missionary in Japan, so she speaks some Japanese, and she has a little Japanese song she sang to her own children, she sang to my children, and now some of them sing to their kids, and it starts out, Chi-Chi Papa, it's about some little birds in Japanese, and Rory and that little family of grandkids, they call her Grandma Chi-Chi Papa. <laughs> that cute? She keep her straight from the other one. She's Grandma Chi-Chi Papa. So, I mean, even those little songs that she taught my kids and they're teaching theirs, that's going to probably go on for generations. And somewhere someone's going to say, so what is that? Where'd that come from? <laughs> All right. The next thing is leaving an inheritance, both spiritual and material inheritance. Proverbs 13:22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Okay, good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That's something interesting to think about, isn't it? Sometimes the children actually get skipped and just goes right to the, uh, the grandchildren because of the timing, whatever. But to actually be thinking about, I've mentioned the spiritual side already, just reinforcing, blessing, supporting, encouraging, teaching, all those things. But here's a real, just real practical, an inheritance. That you're actually thinking about your children's children as you're accumulating things, as you're getting older, and making provision for them, whether it's in your will or whatever. Just different ways of doing this. My mom's mom, my granny, we called her granny, one time I was taking care of her where my parents... She was living with them, and they left town for a week, and so she'd come stay with us. And she'd had a stroke, so she couldn't communicate very well. But we were sitting and talking, and she took off her wedding ring, and she said she wanted me to have it. It was a beautiful little diamond platinum wedding ring. And I said, oh, Granny, that's so pretty, and I you know, gave it back. No, 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 no. I want you to have this. So I didn't want to create a problem and because we couldn't communicate very well I just took the ring and I called my parents as soon as I could and just said I want you to know granny this is what happened and tried to give it back to her and you know when you all get back I'll just give it to you and mom said oh no Nancy she has wanted to give you that for a long long time so that's great which was so sweet so I wore that for a good 10 years and then I gave it to Nate who gave it to Heather so she wears it it's just beautiful but that's an inheritance I mean that is such a sweet thing because it's Nate's great-grandmother's ring. And what a fun story. I love it when that happens. One time there was a young man in our kitchen. He was telling me, he says, well, I'm getting ready to pop the question, but I've got to get the ring first. And I said, well, are there any rings in your family? I mean, do your grandmas have any rings they might want to give you? He's like, I don't know. So he checked with his mom, and oh, yes, there was a gorgeous, <laughs> a gorgeous ring that he was able to bestow on his wife. So, I mean, you know, it's a neat, that's an inheritance right there. But there are other ways we ought to be thinking about how we are going to just leave things for our children, whether it is by buying land, you know, or by helping build a school. 
or by, you know, there are many things. You think about some of the things going on in our community, and that's an inheritance. Being involved in, whether it's Logos or New St. Andrews, that's a way of really leaving an inheritance for your kids, a place to go to school. After Evangeline's first day or two of preschool at Logos, our son-in-law, Luke, who'd never really been connected to Logos, and he was so excited about it, and he said to Doug, he said, thank you. You know, thank you for helping get that thing started for our kids. And I thought, oh, now that is really, you know, that's sweet. I hadn't really thought of it from that angle. So the things you're doing and laboring to do, like New St. Andrews, Bev, I just think about your time there right now and just how many of your grandkids are going to benefit from that. And all of you are doing things, even if I don't know what all they are. But just to take that to heart, like what am I doing to leave an inheritance for my grandkids? It could be something as basic as starting a bank account or laying up little goodies. I've known of grandmas who start actual trunks for each child. And again, where would I put 13 trunks? I have wanted to make sure, because mothers tend to give to their daughters, right, and not to their sons. Like, well, he wouldn't want the china or the ring or the jewelry. Like, oh, yeah, but his wife would. So I've really made a point. That's why I wanted Heather to get the ring. Um, The girls have gotten a lot of my mom's jewelry, over the years and you know I've just wanted to make sure she also receives things and from both sides so and some sides have more than others some sides may not have very much in the way of earthly goods but they're imparting other things Becca told me this last year she really wanted copies of books that Doug had written and a couple that his dad had written so I said Jim I've got to get uh, books for the grandkids she wants you to sign them so He signed his books for all the grandkids, and we just put those away, you know, because that's important. Those are treasures. So those are little things. Those are just some ideas that you may have lots more and better ones, and I'd love to hear some of those. But if you're wanting to treasure up things, for example, uh, Luke and Rachel put together Hot Providence, the church's cookbook, Mm -hmm. and she wanted to make sure she had them for her girls. So she bought enough copies for her girls. And she may not have gotten enough, I don't know. <laughs> but she wanted to make sure those were tucked away for them down the road, even though they're just three and two and not one yet. The other thing, I'm just going to share from a few of my own examples. With our Sabbath dinner, I just encourage you, as you're able, to start something weekly with the kids that is just you celebrating with them. If you can't do it every week, do it once a month doesn't matter. Just where there's something regular where you can all be together and rejoice together. There are many challenges with schedules and sharing with other families. I understand all that. But I'm just saying make a point of it if you can. For us, it's particularly significant for the grandkids. They so love it. But the kids do, too. And some weeks, I confess... I wake up Saturday morning, I think, oh, my word, I have a lot to do to pull this off. <laughs> and uh, when we had boarders living with us, you know, they could help me. And right now we have, with the Merkles, they can help me. But when they're not there, you know, it's really like a solo thing I'm doing. But then at the end of the day, I realize, you know, it's so worth it. But it's sometimes it's daunting. And so I just have to pray that I'll remember what I'm doing. And not think, I just, I can't do this anymore. Or, you know, uh, and certainly I can ask for help. The girls will help me. And the guys will help me. So I can get help. And I have to remember to ask for it. 
But when they're all big pregnant, the last thing I wanted to do was have everybody help. <laughs> they wanted to come over and collapse at my house. But I just realized as time goes by, I might really need help more than I do now. So I'm trying to stretch it out as long as I can. The other thing that we do is I, I take little goodies for after church. So all the grandkids come over and I give them each something. They stampede sometimes over uh, just to get a little sweet of some kind. And I like that. And, and in New York, I remember visiting a church there where the pastor actually came out and gave all the kids candy. Steve Schlissel's church. He handed out candy to everybody. And I loved it. It was darling, but they didn't have the mob that we do. It would not work unless we had stations or something, you know. So it's way too too much. But the, I love the concept. So I just started doing it for our grandkids. It's just something little. There are other people who do the same thing. It's not such a new idea. What I've done for the Merkels while they're gone is because when they're here, they're part of our Sabbath tradition. The first year they were over there, I decided to do little Sabbath bags for the kids. So just kept it very simple. But I got just the lunch bags, and I put on it the number. So they'd be gone like 40 Sabbaths. It's a lot. And so I would figure out when we were going over, and I'd just send enough to get them through till we get there, and then I would bring more. So I just put the date on it, and I might say Sabbath number one, and just put, you know, dollar store gizmos in there. Nothing, candy, I mean, super simple, and big hit. Big, humongous hit. In fact, you know, Becca said, Mom, we're going to have to keep doing this afterward. It's such like the Sabbath bags are a big deal. We haven't done it when everyone's here because there's so much else going on, but just little things. And then when they get to week 20, I'd start going the other way, you know, the countdown. <laughs> or when they get back. So it's just as dawned on me they're leaving a week and a half. I have not started on the Sabbath bags, and I need to get that. But one year, I said, it was a whole suitcase I had to send over of the Sabbath stuff. And the dear friend who was taking it, it weighed too much in the airport. I had no idea I was doing that. Anyway, they were on a different airline. I thought I had a different limit. She had to buy a carry-on at the airport. <laughs> and when she opened it up, she, something happened and it all spilled out. I mean, it was just, but she said, oh, Nancy, I saw all those things. And it's like, oh, this is so cute. Look at this. And her husband said, honey, hurry up about it. <laughs> So, um, bless her heart, she hauled that stuff over. But it really, that's the most, it's such a little thing, but really the kids love it. So I have to get busy and get that together. I mentioned Christmases already, we've talked about that. But where you're just looking for opportunities to really be bestowing here and now, as well as laying up an inheritance. So much of the heritage has to do with their memories. Someone gave us, on one of our trips, somebody gave us a lovely cookbook. And each of the menus, it's like menus for every Sunday, little stories. And I read the whole thing on the airplane, cover to cover, recipes and all. But it's so interesting. A lot of the stories were saying, well, when I was growing up, we went to my grandparents. And that's what the story was about, or my aunts. or, And it was just about what she would have, you know, how much fun it was, what they would do. I thought, see? Those days when I think, I cannot do this. I'm going to die. <laughs> so, you know, those, those are the days I need to re- kind of look through that cookbook again and remember, no, this is important. This is really an inheritance. 
I'm bestowing on my kids all those ham dinners, you know, they're just uh, going in the account. But I recommend that book. Uh, Covenant Media carries it. This was all happy stuff, wasn't it? This was all fun, easy stuff. Next week, I'll talk a bit more about just some of the stumbling blocks. Just to wrap up, we want to just be the reinforcement. Really, we're the cheerleaders in the stands, cheering for our kids, our grandkids. It's a really fun job. So it's important that we're a good example and that we realize we can teach, that we are to bear a bit of the weight of this endeavor any way we can. You know, no matter how old your children are, whether they're married or not, no matter how old the grandchildren are, you know, as they take things on, they need to know we're there, that they can lean on us, they can holler for help, they can cry on our shoulder, you know, whatever they need, we're here and we'll support them. And even if it means, you know, really laying ourselves out for them, that they know they, know they can ask, that we are a support. And being a blessing to our grandkids is a blessing to our kids, obviously. And so striving for ways to be a blessing. Okay, well, let's uh, pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your covenant blessings that you pour out on us. We thank you for the privilege of being uh, part of that. We pray that you would help us to be good stewards of the many promises that you've given us and the many blessings you poured out on us, particularly in our children and grandchildren. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the All of Christ for All of Life podcast. That was a message from our audio collection titled Grandmas and Mothers-in-Law. If you'd like to hear the rest of the talks, you can purchase them at canonpress.com. And until this Sunday night, you can get it 40% off.